Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I am James Carey. And this is episode 192 of Sitcom Geeks. And today we are going to talk about talking. We're going to talk about dialogue. That's what we're going to talk about. We are talking about talking. Excellent. This has been prompted partly. We had a question from one of our listeners. The question is, um, when you write dialogue, how do you circumvent the classic problem of the characters are talking to the audience, not each other. Coincidentally, this listener has also been a guest on the show, actually. It's Alex uh, Garrick-Wright, who's one half of the uh, the winning team in our sketch competition uh, that we did last year. Uh, and I, what I remember of that sketch, it was about uh, engineers, I think, in, in a... Uh, Caribbean country, British engineers, yes. and the, uh, gr- had some great dialogue. So, um, so thank you, Alex. Um, you know, you, 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 you're already doing pretty well on the dialogue front, but but we thought we would. I'm not sure we've ever really kind of had a proper proper deep uh, discussion about dialogue. So I'm going to start with. Uh, I, actually, I've got a little question for James. A little quiz question. Um, I read a quote yesterday. Uh, from a from a very 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 famous writer uh, who said dialogue is the least important part of my writing. Who said that? Very very famous current TV writer. Oh, I've no idea. It's not Aaron Sorkin, is it, or someone like no, that? No, no, close, um, close to home. Okay, uh, that's the biggest name in writing. Would be Richard Curtis. No, go on, put me out of my misery. It's Jed Mercurio. Ah, okay. He said, dialogue, the least important part of my writing. And I guess, actually, if you watch enough Line of Duty, you probably uh, see that, um, yeah, I mean, there are, there are, there are many, many uh, sections of his shows that there is, there is no dialogue. But in comedy... But also, there are some sections of that show where you just think, <laughs> I would have given that line five more minutes if I were you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, but again, because Jed Mercurio is writing procedural action drama, as it were... It's not comedy. Yeah. Uh, an actual fact, Line of Duty really isn't funny at all. It's not light on, it's not big on comedy. So everyone's sort of doing and saying what they need to do and say. But yeah, but in a way, our, our task is, is very similar to that because it's all plot and character, isn't it? But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves, Dave. Yeah. Carry on. So, well, let's start with the, the obvious, uh, mm. the first question. Um, and what, what is dialogue? What, what do we mean by uh, dialogue? And I think the first thing that I would say is um, that what what you want dialogue to be is is about your characters, um, mm-hmm. and you know we're we're all we're we're all putting on a show. We're, we're, wherever we are, whatever situation we're in, we're all kind of being being the thing that we want people to to to, to think we are, um, mm. and so that's like so we want the person in the room that we're talking to uh to 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 see a certain side of us but then we also want the audience to kind of look at it and think "Hmm, what's going on here so for instance you know when david brent says that he's a chilled out entertainer and you you look at him saying that and you you just can tell by his whole manner um that he's the opposite of that really isn't he yeah well he's in a way it's it's not that he's the opposite of it. He is a chilled out entertainer and he considers himself to be. And he can play the guitar and one or two members really like him. But we can see as he says that, oh, no, this is how you see yourself. And this is a disaster for you. So, yeah, it's there are quite a lot of there's quite a lot of stuff going on there, isn't it? Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, chilled out. And the line speaks volumes, doesn't it? It says so much more than what he's saying in that moment. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what that that's the first thing. What what, what is it about your character? Uh, and and this is why you know when we do talk, we 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 talk about you know what's who's your show about and what the characters want. And you know you have to put a lot of work into thinking about who is your character, what are their goals, what is the external thing they want you know they want to mm. be um they want to run a hotel that's just that 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 that's uh for a better class of person that's what mm. you know basil wants but also he wants to kind of you know he, he he just wants to be 
independent of his wife he just he yeah. just so he's got that internal thing as well so we've all we've all got this going on all the time we've all got this you know i want to be i want to be the best comedy writer in the world james i'm sure you do too you know or let, mm. let's be more specific i'd like uh i'd like my novels to go really well you know i'd like to i'm not going to win the booker prize but you know um uh, maybe i want to win the booker prize maybe that's my my desire mm. but underneath that as well i just please will you respect me as a writer you know mm. I, i'm just you know i'm a really good writer if only you people would buy my book and understand it so so i've got these sort of two things going on while i'm sort of trying to be you know trying to be me and and whatever else the stuff's going on in, in yeah. the background all the time and you think of all the kind of great characters they've got this stuff kind of bubbling underneath them the, the whole time and it, it, you know if if people if if people were self-aware you know they they wouldn't say these things and we all do it we all say things that we're um, that show that we don't necessarily know ourselves that well so that kind of brings me to the next point about what what is dialogue and i think and and, and it's and and the answer as well as being about character it's about being uh, it's about the, the subtext so dialogue is subtext it's about what people aren't saying as much as what they are mm. saying so for instance you know if you're you know you've got two characters who are in a scene and they they want something you know it, mm. well, at least one of them wants one thing from from the other uh and maybe the other person isn't necessarily going to want to give it to them um mm. And just if you can imagine a kind of uh, something, I mean, I was just thinking, let's say, you know, you're a teenage kid and you want your dad to give you a hundred quid for some thing you want to buy, you know, some new uh, console yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, you're not going to go, dad, give me a hundred quid, please, for a console. Um, you know, because dad will say... Uh, no. no. <laughs> Whereas that, if you go, that's, oh, that's an easy one. Yeah, no, okay. you can't. Yeah. Hey, Dad, uh, good to chat actually. And you know, I, I was thinking about you know um, this this subject that you're interested in. You know, oh, I was reading an article about it, and da da da. Oh, really? Yeah. Says Dad, that's nice. Uh, yeah. And um, you know what? There's a really there's this new thing that's come out that's really exciting about it. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And and if you get this software you know you can do this they say, oh right oh yeah okay yeah. yeah um and and you know is the dad taken in is he playing yeah. along you know you can already see yeah. where there's room for comedy here you know yes i mean and yeah and how how is that dad responding is the dad responding is he a dad who thinks he's a good dad and he has no idea what his child is doing and we can see what's happening or or is he really onto him or onto her and is like, uh, okay. And and you can see them now leading them on, leading them on, leading them on. No, I'm not going to give you a hundred pounds for a console. Um, it's ah, oh, you know, so that, that's where all this was going. Or is your child, and again, it depends on character. Is your child the kind of child that would basically not say, I want this for this because you won't give it to me, but they would say, um, can I wash your car? Um, and will you give me 20 quid for that? And then, then they, oh, actually, yes, yeah, that, that could, I'll give you 15. Oh, fine, okay. <laughs> and then they come back and go, okay, next job. It's like, what's going on here? Well, I'm just, you know, trying to be useful and raise some money and understand the value of work, hard work. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So it, it, so how your characters go about this obviously depends very much on character, but they are very rarely saying the thing that they really, really want. Um, and just to flip it over, the thing that is said in the early series of House, which is not a sitcom, House MD with Hugh Laurie, uh, he's one of the catchphrases, apart from it's never lupus, is um, everybody lies. So people are coming in with medical problems and they're not being honest about how they feel, their domestic situation, where they spent last week, all that kind of stuff. And until they can flush that out of them, they can't actually make them better. And they end up going snooping around their houses and discovering um, sort of evidence of, of particular behaviours or patterns or secrets or something. So it is really important to have your characters 
lie and yeah. that's subtext isn't it yeah yeah and i was thinking as well while you're saying that you know imagine the kid washed the car and did a did a really terrible job mm. but you know you still got to pay that 15 mm. or 20 quid so right okay next job i'm off to i'm gonna mow the lawn now that's a uh, 10 quid oh, no. <laughs> Tell you what, i'll give you 20 <laughs> yeah. quid not to mow yeah, the lawn exactly. <laughs> and that's how that's how they get yeah. the money so you know there's, yeah. all, there's just always there's always you know kind of so many so many routes that you 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 can take and um and i was thinking about you know scenes that don't have subtext um and they're basically they are the 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 scenes in the movie towards the end of act three the big fight you know they're the big battles um there's no subtext um at the end of star wars or indiana jones you know that's that's that the time for subtext has gone um but we're comedy and you know comedy we don't we don't resolve our situations mm. ever you know the, it, it, these things just keep going round and round and so um and and if again if you as you say if you're jed mercurio and you're writing procedural uh drama then um you know You've, you've got an awful lot of that so mm. you know you can yeah. and and of in, in his case as well you have it you have it in the opening 10 minutes as well you don't just have it at the end so you know you kind of spend 10 minutes kind of clutching your knuckles and fear yeah. of what the hell's going on here um so that's that that's what that's what scenes without subtext are so there are there is a place for scenes without subtext but not in comedy mm yeah and they're most and as you say as you're going to come on to say they're mostly exposition aren't they yeah 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 it's like this is how i feel and this is what i'm going to do okay that's not terribly you can get away with one line of that if you really really want but if if that is the basis of your scene i think there are problems and again one of the reasons why there are so many uh police shows and hospital shows um uh, what, what why doctors and nurses and policemen are such popular characters in tv shows is because they are uh they 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 are one of the best ways of dealing with exposition um you know you can have as long as you have figures in authority saying you know well this uh yeah well it's you'll think you'll find it's the uh, lower artery in the region of the da, 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 da. Mm. and you know you mm. can you can have all that nonsense you know when a doctor's mm. speaking because you know if he's if he's saying it in a in a in a kind of ultra cool professional way and is avoiding looking looking into mm. the eyes of the patient who's sitting there crushed you know you've got drama mm. so or if you've got them saying it in a really sort of compassionate way or something so mm. so you know you can do as much you can get away with a lot of exposition that way but again we are not drama we are comedy mm. so you should really try and avoid as much um uh, as possible i'm trying to think of um examples some good examples and um you can down your first uh down your first beer in the drinking mm. game james because uh i think that one of the best examples of exposition is the opening scene of frasier um, oh, there yes. we go. I was wondering if you were going to go to Steptoe and uh, no, but no. Uh, anyway. But the opening of Frasier uh, is about two minutes long, and uh, in that scene, we get we get all the exposition that is required for you if you've never seen Cheers or if you're just turning on for the first time um, and seeing this new character, Frasier. Um, you learn you, you learn that he's a not a very good. He's got this job as a radio talk show host. Um, and, and you learn in this very funny scene that he's not any good at it, at it. And the way one of the ways you learn that is because he's talking all the time and he's explaining stuff. But the way he's explaining it comes from a question from from one of the listeners. And so he he uses everything is everything he does is wrong. He's overusing his own experience to to uh, explain to this character why X Y Z should you know why he should be more you know kind of kind mm. to himself and stuff meanwhile the character has the the the, the show has switched off anyway you know they're yeah. going to adverts and stuff but he's still talking he doesn't know that so but you know there's just a little section there's maybe like a minute in the middle there 150 words or so where we get absolutely the whole 
story, mm. how he arrived, how what his life was like before, what's he doing in Seattle, um, and and you know the character that he is, the personality, the snobbery, the the kind of not fitting into that world, um, and that's that I think is a really good example. I, 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 can you have you got any that you um, would want to share? Um, I've just been rewatching uh, Frasier with my kids actually, uh, who are now sort of old enough for it. And yeah, they're really good at yeah, just their whole dialogue thing. It's just what they're saying and what they're feeling and the subtext is 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 a really good use of it. But in terms of exposition, yeah, you can get away with a bit, um, but as I say, it's got to be used uh, very very sparingly. Um, and again, you need to find ways or, and quite often when we do read scripts, like in our script competition, you would, you would see a big, long chunk of dialogue and you're thinking, Oh, I, I know, I know that your character is giving a speech to a room full of people, but you really have to break it up. I would come in much later. I would have someone interrupt them. Um, because these, these long bits tend not to work. Uh, so I think it's just a question of being, of being brief. And if you possibly can, avoid them altogether. Do you really need this bit of exposition? Um, I've just been, you know, thinking about the, the the example I always give is the opening title sequence of Veep. It's twenty seconds, and it shows Selena Myers is running for president. She's running for president. She's not going to be president. She's going to be vice president, and the show starts. And it's like that's it. She's vice president. What 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 else do you need to know? It's a non-job. Uh, it's not a it's it's close to power you're waiting for the president to die um you know so i think quite often people think they need this big bit of exposition at the start and really they don't it's pretty obvious from the characters the title of the show what we're looking at in the very first shot all that kind of stuff um so in a way you can use exposition as a counterpoint to that uh you know you can do that somebody's giving a very robust military style speech and you pull back and reveal they're in a, you know, they're in a, a kindergarten, they're in a nursery. Um, and you go, oh, so this is former soldier runs nursery. Right. Okay. Um, but again, you don't need much of the military stuff. Um, and the longer, and the, and the longer that speech goes on, the bigger the joke's going to have to be to justify it. Because at the end of that Frasier scene, when Roz just says, oh no, we cut to commercial a minute ago or something. It's really funny, but if he'd been speaking for five minutes, there's just no joke at the end of that that's going to be funny enough to justify that as a sitcom scene, is there? So less is more, definitely. And there are two things uh, that we saw a lot of in uh, in the competition, two ways that people try to deal with uh, exposition. The first is uh, to have a narrator. Um, And, yeah, you know, a lot of shows do it. Uh, a lot of shows do it very well. Um, most shows tend to overdo it. I saw recently there, there's a new uh, version of The Wonder Years, which is set in exactly the same time period, but all the, it, it's uh, black characters. Um, okay. And very, very funny. But, you know, when The Wonder Years came out, whenever it was, I don't know, 30-odd years ago, it was unusual. You know, you had this... 12 year old narrator and then you'd see the scene happening and it kind of was it it was sort of quite refreshing I think but 30 years on there's I mean it's it's great show it's a really funny show but it suffers by sticking so close to the wonder years thing because because we get we get the narrator telling us what's going to happen in the scene and then the scene happens so it's sort of lost a little bit of its uh, edge that because mm. we're so that's become so familiar to us and I think and, and, and the other thing that we saw a lot of and it do, coming thinking about this uh, episode made me kind of understand I, I, I've talked before about I wasn't happy with the, the mockumentary form a lot of people did the mockumentary form and the, and I realize now um, that what when people do the mockumentary what they're trying to do they're trying to get over the exposition problem by you know and and it's kind of um, i'm trying to say post office without saying post office um but it's <laughs> in, you know having learnt that thing from the office of you know 
the character says something and the camera can just cut away and we see the opposite and that's that's a kind of very it, it's become a shorthand way now of of uh telling us about character telling us about story um and so it's again in the same way that that wonder years thing we've we've, we've seen it now too much and i think that's partly with the thing yeah. with, with the mockumentary thing is is it, it it's you know you 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 you're going to have to find new and different ways of doing that yeah and the shows that use use that straight to camera stuff well obviously like modern family i don't think they use it for exposition very much and lo- an awful lot of it is counterpoint to what you're seeing a little bit of behind the scenes i was trying to do x uh, but even then, you know the character is either kidding themselves or lying to us or lying to the person sitting next to them. So it's kind of more reactive and joke-based yeah. rather than expositional. Yeah. Um, so I think if if you're just telling us what we're seeing or explaining stuff, um, and again, this goes back to an element of what we were talking about, I think, on a previous podcast, where it felt like quite a lot of sitcoms were probably trying to be novels, um, and the way they were presenting even uh, action lines rather than dialogue, you just thought, "Oh, I think, I think you, I think you're writing a uh, a novel, but you've sort of put it into a sitcom form." And I don't think those think they are very much oil and water. I don't think they they go together very well. But well, in, but I don't know. In fact, I've just literally in the last couple of days been writing a very dialogue heavy section in in the the novel i'm working on at the moment and i've been really struggling to you know kind of keep exposition out so actually the same the same rules apply across uh, things you sort of think oh a novel i can write as much exposition as i want here but no the same you people you still want people to be kind of guessing along the way um and you want to reveal character and story through action rather than the narrator telling you this is what's going to happen and this is what the character is trying to do. It's it's not much fun, really, is it? And I think just to go back to the Modern Family example, um, if you watch an episode of Modern Family, you know, there, there's, I don't know, it's maybe a minute's worth, two minutes worth of the whole show. It's not mm. it's not the whole, you know... It, it, they, they don't play the scenes like they did in The Office, like they're like that are being aware that the camera is there. They They very rarely... The, the, the scenes are played like like drama like comedy um mm. so that's that you know it's and, and again it's a shorthand thing it's you know if you if you if you stop and think about it f- for too long you know you'll sort of it's like walking and chewing gum at the same time you'll go but you know but they filmed them in the you know the, the camera crew are there filming them on the sofa talking and then the camera crew are there when they're acting you know don't don't worry about it you know no they one cares. No yeah. one cares. Um, so then, the last um, point about what's what what are you using dialogue for? And that's uh, and the main uh, the last main thing is you're moving. You want to move the story on, um, and, and you may need you know they, there may need to be a kind of key crucial sentence, uh, and then uh, so the end of one scene and then the start of another. You do kind of need to clarify a little bit about what happened or you you don't necessarily need to do that but uh it helps and that i think again we've talked about how seinfeld does it you know they end, there's a big funny moment at the end of a scene and then the next scene they're back in the back in jerry's flat he you know uh you couldn't remember her name i couldn't remember her name something to do with vagina something to do, and, mm. and there's a sort of it's like a sort of musical rhythm it's almost like the sort of musical mm. introduction to the next scene is a refrain from the last scene and then oh right in we go and it's it's finding a way of getting stuff out there that the the audience already know yeah and um and you know you particularly see it when you're watching an american show a non-audience american show like say parks and rec or something where mm. you can see ah oh, they've cut to adverts there and they come back and they're in the same position as they were in the previous yeah. scene and, and so you know that when Americans were watching it, there's been like a three-minute gap from between the scenes, whereas we're watching the scenes sort of stuck together. together. Yeah, yeah. And but I think even then we should layer it a bit more. And it's not 
you're starting your next scene not with what happened in the previous scene, but maybe what your character takes away from the previous scene, which may not be what is clearly obvious to us, the audience. You know, somebody just saying how well the date went. And you're thinking, I just saw how the date went and it was a disaster. (laughs) And this character's just saying, on the second date, I'm going to do this. There's no second date, you're thinking in your head. So again, it's just, it is the character leading the story and is that kind of, there's that interface between what we're seeing, what we can see as some sort of objective reality and what the characters are constructing as their own reality. Um, and dialogue is that kind of key expression of that interface, isn't it? It's, we, we don't know what the character is thinking. We can't, you know, in a novel, you can tell, you can tell the reader what the character is thinking. You just have dialogue in the sequel and you, you have action. So make the most of both of them. But, you know, they're, they're lying. They're lying to themselves. They're lying to somebody else. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think just an, an extra one. We, we've looked at four things about what is dialogue. Dialogue is character, it's subtext, it's exposition. It moves the story on. Uh, my fifth one is, takes us on to what isn't dialogue. But my fifth one is what is dialogue, not monologue. Um, and I think sometimes um, you, we, we read scripts where characters are just broadcasting at the world in general or they're talking past each other. Now, characters can talk past each other. and We're seeing that these two characters aren't connecting and that that's going to be a problem or that that already is a problem. But actually, you know, it, it is a conversation to some extent because they are listening and responding in character to what the other person uh, is has said in character. So I think there's sometimes a bit of a mismatch when we're reading stuff is that there is stuff that my character needs to say in this scene and they're going to say it. And there's stuff that in the B plot, this other character needs to say. And the fact that these two aren't interrelating is just weird. One character comes in um, and they have quite a lot of blood on their shirt. And the other character is sitting at a desk intently copying out the dictionary. And we're thinking, if if one looks up and sees all the blood, they're not going to go back to their dictionary unless they're a complete psychopath. They're going to say, you're covered in, a, in an alarming amount of blood. Sorry, I'm still on A for alarming in the dictionary or whatever. You can sort of tie them together. Um, what, what just happened? Uh, so, but, but to sort of have these two people, you know, continue their stories independently of each other uh is it just takes you out of the script that you're reading and that's what we're always trying to avoid just you just want to keep the reader reading as it were and the audience watching so i think bear in mind that uh it is a conversation although dave you would also argue that it isn't a conversation do you want to say what you mean about that well yes i think um well first of all i would like to say that your 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 number five um is actually um uh, I would put your number five under what isn't dialogue. So we'll 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 I'll, I'll come okay. to that in a in a second. But I did have a, I did actually have a potential number five of my own, which was uh, jokes. But I think that the, the the key point is that of those four things that are dialogue, which is character, subtext, exposition, and and moving the story on, they uh, jokes should come from them. And to say you have to have jokes, and we do, again, we read scripts, we've got lots of very funny jokes in them, but jokes that are funny are panel shows and stand-up, you know. Uh, It's not, if you've got a character, you know, unless you've got a character like, you know, Chandler in Friends, who who can only, uh, who who can't express himself other than through jokes and, you know, perfect perfect brilliant comedy character creation you know allows you to just have the funniest funniest jokes from a very funny character written by the greatest joke writers in the world um (laughs) and it to be a character trait as well and that's just you know no that that's that's just genius to have that but we can't do that so much i mean although i think you know that i think lee in not going out there's this kind of element of, of 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 it being of him being that sort of Chandler character and it sort of works for him but you know you do kind of if, if you've got 
hopefully the jokes are coming from from one of those four things that that, that we mentioned so um so what you just said there i think monologue is a very good we can start with that and say yes that's di uh, dialogue is not monologue <laughs> which is a which is a, a absolutely a fair thing mm. uh you know it, it it makes sense on every level and be aware of it and it comes back to what you were saying just now about exposition mm. as well james about mm. uh you know when when we see a big you know we 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 can tell a lot from a script just by looking at at, at it looking at the amount of white space on the page and the amount of uh type and i know when i look when i open up a new script and there's there's like a big block of type there on that page. I just know, okay, this is, uh, you know, we're going to need to do something with this. You know, very, very rarely will I look at it and go, wow, that is, that speech needs to be that long. Um, so, yeah, so, so dialogue isn't monologue. And I would also argue as well, despite what you just said there, that my, my second thing that dialogue isn't, I'd say, it isn't actually conversation in the way that we have conversation. I mean, if you if you were to think about a conversation you had recently, you know, listen to listen to how you talk to people and listen to how people talk back to you. And it's, you know, mostly it's boring and it's a kind of... Uh, people repeating stuff and people saying the same thing in a different way or jumping from one subject to another and but it's um, john john york uses a very good phrase in uh, into the woods he says uh dialogue is the illusion of conversation so it, it wow. sort of needs to needs to be it, it, we need to think that we're watching a conversation in the same way that we need to kind of believe that these people in modern family are genuinely having this stuff happen and there isn't a camera crew watching you know so it, it's about so much of what we're writing is is artifice um uh, and and um so it kind of has to has to be a like conversation but not conversation um, yeah. and, we... and in a way, that's that's an expression of what a sitcom is, isn't it? A sitcom, I, you know, my is my writing partner Richard, who basically said that sitcom is a better description of real life than probably anything else, because our lives are repetitive, and our lives do contain absurdity, and we do have the same conversations with the same people uh, week after week. So, in a way, sitcom is recognisably like real life, um, but it's just kind of condensed and compressed. Um, and it's it's sort of one of those days, isn't it? It's a sitcom when everything sort of happens on the same day. Um, so the, the moment you have, you're stretching reality or it resembles reality. Reality is slightly more chaotic um, and you do get, you know, characters don't always get what they deserve in real life and also think coincidences do happen. Um so, for example, when I say um, if if your character is terribly worried about running a church fate and then on page 28, there's torrential rain and that's the whole end of it. It, it doesn't go ahead. You would, you would feel rightly irritated by that because that's pretty much a deus ex machina. The gods have made it rain. That's the end. That's that's life. Life does that. But it's very unsatisfying in a sitcom. And we know that when we're watching sitcom that the story is an artifice, but it resembles reality. And in the same way, as um, uh, John York is, is saying in Into the Woods, the conversation feels real, even though it is compressed and condensed. And, and that's okay. And that's, you know, and, and th that's what happens when you condense reality into, you know, 24 minutes. Uh, so I think that's a really insightful com uh, comment. Hmm. And the other thing he mentions, and um, boy, did we see a lot of it in our um, competition, uh, that dialogue isn't or shouldn't be, it's recollection. And um, that's, I think that that's kind of addressing the um, the, the, the point uh, that, that Alex made in his question about, you know, when you when characters are, are talking, the question right at the start of this, this episode, when characters are talking, 
you know, who are they talking to? Are they talking to each other or are they talking to the audience? And, you know, and again, John York specifically mentions the phrase, you know, do you remember when? And I think I saw that so many times in that, mm. in, in, in the competition where characters who know each other very well mm. are saying things that people don't say in real life to each other who know each other very well. Um, you know, come tid- tidy up your room. Um, why? Well, do you remember that time when you did this and then and build up to a joke about the mice coming to stay for a holiday or whatever? Yeah. You know. Um, then there's another phrase, my, my favourite. Um, how many times have I told you? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, you know. Well, actually, probably lots and lots, but not not in this particular episode. So uh, yeah, you, know, yeah. you have to find a different way. Um, of doing that, and I think if you are writing that those that kind of stuff in your script, you're not yet your characters probably aren't quite clear enough yet. They need yeah. to, or or you don't believe in them enough. You need you need to let the characters speak to you. You need to start quietening your mind and trying to listen to those voices in your head. Um, you know, and I'm yeah, uh, that that's a good sign. But yeah, so it may be you do have the characters, but you're just trying to. Oh, just make it funnier. And so you have them refer to incidents we've not seen and we're not going to see. I think this is why I'm against flashbacks generally. I know I wrote first two series of Miranda with Miranda and Richard Hurston and one or two others. But overall, they do tend to kill the pace, take you out of the scene. And it stops being a character joke, really, at that point. It just stops. So, you know, we're already thinking that our jokes really do need to come from character situation and plot rather than this is this is like the time when and that's you know family guy has a pretty long legacy of that too where peter griffin's like ah geez this remembers me the time when you know i ended up having a fight with the chicken and blah although there is that one of my favorite ones of those is uh my favorite episode is with death played by norm mcdonald and in order to prove that the laws of death still apply he has to kill the cast of dawson's creek <laughs> And Peter says, ah, gee, this, didn't I say when, when that show came on, I said, I bet you I'm the guy that's going to have to kill those people. <laughs> and Lois just says, it's true, he did say that. But I think animation has its own weird logic that you can sort of play around with, which I think real-time sitcoms tend not to. But, but yeah, I think because we see it in other shows, we think we can do it in our show, and, and we probably can't as often as we think. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And I think that was... Uh... You know that that you, you you also you kind of have to trust the audience a little bit as well, and that's again, um, you know, audiences do audiences like to do the work. You know, you don't you don't they, they don't do all the work, um, but you know you give them enough, you give the audience enough to 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 work it out for themselves. Really, I think, and uh, you know that's a kind of I, I realize that's a sort of fairly general thing to say but it's i think you know the ha, to to get to that you do really need to kind of know your character so well that you can trust putting them in a situation and trust hopefully then your ability as a writer to when you put them in a situation with the other characters and 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 this kind of stuff will emerge and you you don't have to lay it on with a trowel you know you can mm. leave, you can leave stuff unsaid and let the audience um work it out so that was uh, so, so 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 those are the things that that, that aren't dog, um dialogue i think and and one of the things i think we did see i think problems that we saw a lot of in our when we when we were kind of reading those scripts there were uh quite apart from the what we've already mentioned the the the, the, the blocks of of monologue and things but there's also sometimes there's too much dialogue um and I know you've talked a, a, lot, a lot about, you know, coming into a scene as late as possible. Um, yeah. Can you sort of clarify that in terms of dialogue? Yeah, I think, so there's a YouTube video. If you go to my YouTube channel called The Situation Room, I do fairly short, punchy videos where I deal with a few specifics. And there's one about starting in the middle, not just starting your, not just the fact that a sitcom is a permanent act too and is always in the middle, but actually... A lot of scenes and sitcom scripts are very slow to get going because our natural tendency is to start everything in the morning 
and first thing in the morning and Dave and I read dozens and dozens of scripts where the character wakes up and it's their first day at work and we get to see them go to work and then they arrive at work and they're introduced to everybody. Everything's at the beginning and that is a completely natural human reaction. But start in the middle uh, and if you've got a scene of, which is a meeting where your characters are going to have to have a very tricky conversation about grandma's funeral plans. The temptation is to start with someone making the tea, bringing it in on a cup on, on a tray, awkward small talk, um, eventually getting around to the subject of, of the, and you know some of that probably can be funny, and if it's in character particularly, it might be funny. But how about just starting with the with the with the sort of subtext question about um, grandma's looking well, isn't she? Subtext being she's not well is she you know uh so just just sort of cut to that beginning conversation they've already got the tea they're already sitting around the living room uh grandma's in the other room having a nap and let's just have the conversation let's just start it in the middle rather than this sort of build up build up build up which i say can be funny and you sometimes need to write that stuff in order to get it out of your system but you know pro tip cut it you probably don't need it. Um, and if there's a really good joke in there, you can probably find another home for it uh, somewhere else or or start with that joke uh, and then go from there. But the temptation is always to start start at the start and then finish at the end. And that's not how telly works. You don't need to do that. So so don't. Just, uh, just you saying that made me think about a writer that we almost never mention, I think, on this show. I don't know if we ever have talked about him, but uh, Alan Bennett. And okay. uh, I think, um, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, Alan Bennett is so good at writing nothing. Um, and th those kind of scenes and things that, um, you know, we, we, we want to, you know, people love Alan Bennett will think, oh, I love, I'd love to write like that. But I sort of wonder if Alan Bennett is the exception who who proves the rule that you know there is so. I mean, there were elements. Al, Victoria Wood was like Alan Bennett with with added jokes, I think. And and mm. uh, but uh, I, I I think there is you know it it it's that there there is a place for that. But um, you know. You... But actually, I'm just thinking of those Talking Heads monologues, and I don't I don't know them very well, but. He, again, though, those characters do tend to start in the middle. They, you know, they, they do sort of, they're in the middle of a situation or, you know, they get going quite fast, I think, even though they're said in a fairly slow and wistful way. There's a bit of counterpoint going on there. So, but I don't know. I don't know the work yeah. well enough. And, I've, you know, I've, I've obviously... If you, if you haven't watched that video that uh, James has made about starting in the middle, uh, I do recommend it. It's very good. It's very funny. Uh and uh it's a it's about a car mechanic isn't it it's a very very good little uh, yeah yeah it's yeah, like uh, you know the temptation at a car mechanics is just to start at the beginning of the day with the shutters going up yeah. it's like no you don't need to do that by, by so, the end of it i really wanted to know what's going to happen in that <laughs> in that yeah story that yeah. you made up on the on, on yeah. the hoof there yeah. um so we've so we've, we've talked a lot about you know the things that aren't working and 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 uh, but but let's let's sort of try and wrap up and 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 talk about the kind of things that how can you how can you make your dialogue um zing along really i suppose um and the first the the, the first thing i would say maybe is is you know is prepare always you know when you're writing a scene just before you write the actual scene you know just work it out you've got two characters one character wants something and the other character doesn't want them to have it and vice versa you know you've got uh, and what um, watch out for having a character in a scene who's doing nothing who's just there to to answer the questions you know make make both characters have an agenda and think about what 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 do they want at the end of mm. the scene and what are they going to get yeah i mean it's quite often i get that when i'm when i'm about to start writing a scene in fact um this sitcom i'm writing at the moment i i was about to write a scene i looked at the outline of the scene by scene outline and i just thought i don't have enough in this this isn't a scene i'm not going to write it 
I, I bet you I don't need it, so I'm not going to. So I just went on to the next scene. And it may be that I, there's a crucial bit that I really do need to have that scene for, but it just felt like there wasn't enough uh, to justify the scene. Uh, and that, and you can't write it, that scene. You, you're literally then just typing people talking, um, which you're then going to have to painfully cut uh, in a few weeks' time. So just save yourself the bother. If the scene is hard to write, if you're finding the dialogue hard to write, just go back to what is the purpose of this scene? And it may be you discover that the scene has no purpose, in which case, hallelujah, delete, move on. Yeah. Um, or consider that one bit that you need in this scene. Could you start the next scene with that bit? And that would be a really dynamic start to that scene. Maybe. Why don't you try that? Yeah. If the scene hasn't moved, if the story is at the same place at the end of the scene as it was at the start of the scene, then uh, it, it needs to be cut. However yeah. beautifully written, however hilarious it is, you have to be aware that you're moving, you're moving the story on. Again, one of those... Uh, of the four things that we mentioned and you know again all too often and 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 we do it ourselves as well you think like you say you wrote the you got to the point in the outline you as far as you were aware you needed that scene right up yeah. to the point that you were going to start writing it so you know you you obviously thought there was the need for that scene so so every step of the way you have to re-examine your outline and think okay how is this moving it on and if it isn't moving it on it goes yeah um, I think there was just one other thing, and again, we have talked a little bit about this before, but I'm, I'm, I mean, it is definitely um, the, the, the once you have got across whatever it is you need to get across um, story-wise, you know, you've got to get out of that scene, you've got to get into the next scene, and um, you need to find you need to find a big funny ending to the yeah. scene. And, you know, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to put a lot of work into the end of that scene to, 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 to get that moment. Mm. And there are usually clues to the way to where how to find what is going to be the funniest ending. It doesn't necessarily have to be the related to the fact that the plot is moving on. It can just be mm. a, a big character joke from... Uh, what we already know about the character it can be a reincorporation of something that was said earlier in the scene yeah um you know so i mean any more can you think of any other yeah there may be a prop um that comes back so it may be a sort of a callback to a a, you know if they're having if they're having an argument about a can of beans um and you know there's a sort of potential to have a reference to those beans at the end in just a sort of a slightly freshened uh, new way or one of the characters is being cheeky or something like that. But I think in a way, that, that I think there's always this temptation that people keep thinking they're writing dramas and that every end, the end to every scene needs to be a cliffhanger to get you reading to the next scene. But actually the scene itself needs to get you to want to read the next scene. You need to be enjoying it and the characters and the story. But the idea that everything is just like up in the air and then into, I mean, that, that's better than nothing. And you, and maybe a few scenes that is definitely the right way to end it. But if you're writing a sitcom, you, you really want to be ending on a decent joke. And it doesn't matter too much where the joke is coming from, whether it's coming from character or a callback or the situation, but it can't be a new thing as well. So if they're talking in front of a set of shelves, the shelves can't fall down. The only way they can fall down is if the person has spent the beginning part of the scene putting up the shelves, in which case shelves fall down. That that would be fine, albeit a little predictable. Um, I mean, you, the only way to take the skin off that, if if it's a bit predictable, is is that the, the scene ends. They look at the shelves and they go, "Wow, they they've really stayed up." They walk off, then the shelves fall. You know, so you can kind of hang a lantern on the fact that we're expecting them to fall they don't and then they do or those sorts of things but you know it is a comedy show and the aim is to make people laugh so do bear that in mind and a nice joke at the end of a scene will jolly you into the next scene um and and that will work if it's been clear from what's happened in the scene what's going to have to happen in the next scene yeah and in fact i just uh, one other thing i was remembering ashley farrow who we spoke to uh, recently um you know, yep. life on mars etc and he used to write a lot of scripts for eastenders um and he said 
every scene that he wrote uh, for EastEnders, when he got to the end, he said he had to he had to feel the do 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 at the end, and yeah. uh, you know, not not just for the the last scene in the whole thing. So that that's that's the the task if you're writing EastEnders is to finish every scene on that moment. Yeah. It's a, in a sitcom. You've got to finish in the equivalent of that, which is a big funny laugh. So yeah, I mean, especially, and this is why I love studio sitcom because it really keeps you honest. It's like, do you want to end your comedy scene on three hundred people sitting in silence? <laughs> I don't think you do. I think you want a joke, and I know single camera sitcoms have the freedom to not do that, but you don't want to be ending on silence at home watching it. Uh, more than a couple of times or a cliffhanger in in my view but you know other other views are available great um i think we're done dave we've yeah. we've really sucked the juice out of out of dialogue <laughs> um if you want to um well if you want to hear that episode with ashley farrow uh, our patrons will get hold of it way quicker than anybody else uh, i don't think we've dropped it yet but we probably by the time this episode goes out our patrons will already be listening uh, to that um, episode, which was like an hour and a quarter conversation with him. And he's, you know, fantastic uh, writer, say Life on Mars. And eventually we get to a show which he did after Life on Mars called Bone Kickers, uh, which was very much like when we talked to Stephen Chalk, uh, Stephen Moffat about Chalk. Uh, we, we, get to the, we get to the howler at the end eventually and reflect on what went wrong. and Because I, I think you learn more from what goes wrong than what went right. Um, but we discovered that also that life on Mars had a very, very long gestation period and sat on a shelf for a very, very long time and came about for a very curious reason. So anyway, if you want to get hold of that, then join us on Patreon. Um, if you literally cannot wait for it to drop, um, as an episode, um, but also you can go to the situation room, uh, uh, which is my YouTube channel for that video. And um, there are also links on there about how to uh, get on my the Situation Room mailing list where you'll sort of be kept in touch about that. Uh, Dave, uh, what, have, what have you got for us? Um, yeah, well, I'm just uh, currently uh, working out. I'm putting together um, the, a new version of my book, Complete Comedy Writer, actually. Um, that's going to be coming out in the autumn. So um, it's, it's, most of it still applies, but there's a lot of stuff in there that um, no, is, is, is out of date. So I, I mm. think it's time, time for a complete rehaul of that. And um, I'll be looking at that, um, you know, and, and I'll, yep. I'll be writing some more uh, blogs about that and about, mm. you know, about, about becoming a comedy writer. So uh, watch yep. out for that on my uh, website, davecohen.org.uk. Excellent. And thanks very much for the British Comedy Guide who kindly host this podcast on their service and we uh, commend their wares to you as well. Um, thanks very much, Dave. Thank you, James. And speak to you next time. Cheers. Cheerio. Bye.